All right, first of all, thank you all for being here. Thank you to everyone listening on FPCA podcast. My name is Joey, and I'm joined by Connor, my co-host today. And we have a very special guest today, uh, Mr. Kurt Swoboda, currently the Associate AD for External Communication and PR at the University of Michigan, has prior experience at Stanford and Harvard. But I, first, I want to thank you for taking the time for being with us, Mr. Swoboda. Is that it? Yeah, you know, start it with an S and whatever you come up with is good after that. So I, I appreciate it, Joey. Uh, tough. Uh, I, I, I start in with that. I always joke uh, whenever I've started a new job somewhere, oddly, my first question has been about the email address that I have to have. And it's like I'm, my fear is that I always have to have first initial last name. That's uh-huh. just a lot to put out there. So, yeah, uh, I, I completely understand with the last name like Ingebrigtsen. I, I go through the same kind of thing. So. Uh, but thank you for being with us today. So why don't you go ahead and start us off by explaining a little bit about what you do at uh, Michigan and some of your experiences prior that led to uh, your current position. Sure. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm thrilled to be with you all today. Thanks for thanks for your time. So I'm in my seventh year here at Michigan. Uh, time flies in this business. You know, every day is, is so incredibly different. Uh, so I oversee uh, communications, public relations, social media, and, and the position has taken on various forms as well. And parts of my time, I've overseen digital aspect, uh, digital marketing aspects of the department. So at a baseline level, you know, really what I talk about is, is kind of uh, trying to impact the narrative around Michigan athletics and the University of Michigan as a whole. And uh, we're part of the larger external operations, external relations department, depending on where you are, uh, which includes marketing, ticket sales, trademark and licensing, MMR, uh, uh, corporate sponsorships, uh, event presentation, fan relations, community relations, and, and kind of builds out from there. So, so we really touch upon every aspect of an athletic department, uh, which is one of the things that really uh, interested me in, in, in pursuing this career path. Great. And then can you just talk about, about how you got to where you are? Like, obviously, you're now more in the leadership role, but you didn't start in a leadership role. So how you developed your leadership style and then just from, from where you came? Sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. Right. Everyone's got to start somewhere. And, and, and what I say is uh, in, in terms of, of, of the communications marketing field specifically, I always tell people that there is no straight path. Uh, to a career. There, there, there's no specific background that leads me to believe that somebody's going to be more prepared for this field than somebody else. And broadly speaking around uh, you know, a college athletic department or even professional level sports, I always tell people, young people, that whatever you're interested in doing, chances are you can do it in sport. You know, the business of sport is just so dynamic and fascinating and will continue to grow. So you know, I think I was fortunate uh, in my undergrad, I went to a small college in, in New Hampshire, Colby Sawyer College, uh, and I got myself immersed into every aspect of, of college athletics and recreation and facilities and events. Uh, and so I kind of got my start there. I w- maybe I was fortunate I kind of came around as really the internet was, uh, was becoming a thing, uh, and I quickly saw how it impacted how people just experience the world and engage with the world. Uh, and I always, I, I basically made a commitment to myself that I would always embrace what's coming next in that way. Uh, and, and in that way, you know, we're, we're living in it every day, you know, uh, emerging technology, cell phones, smartphones, 
uh, social media and whatever, whatever's next. And so I've always kind of prided myself on being somebody that that's just going to grow with it. But I got my, uh, my start in, in college doing any, any job that I could on campus, especially as it related to, to athletics and recreation. And uh, that led to a, a post-grad internship uh, that was kind of a, a hybrid position. It was working in the New England Collegiate Baseball League, uh, which is an NCAA-sanctioned wood bat baseball league throughout New England. Uh, but the job was also housed at Franklin Pierce University uh, in Ringe, New Hampshire. So I was basically doing, doing work for both entities uh, housed on the Franklin Pierce uh, campus. And I only spent eight months in that position, Connor, but it really impacted how I viewed leadership and culture and organization, uh, organizational behavior uh, have been things that I've been fascinated with really since that moment. Uh, and it spoke to the leadership at that time. Bruce Kurse was, uh, was a longtime athletic director and uh, vice president of the university. And uh, he was a scary dude, let me tell you. He, he, he intimidated me, challenged me. Uh, and then when he knew that I cared, I saw a totally different side of him. Uh, and that really impacted me, just kind of how he went about his business and, and demonstrated that, that you can be matter of fact uh, and have tough conversations with people. And you're really able to do that more so when, that, when, when all parties have total trust uh, in the relationship and people know that you care about them. And that's something that's really stuck with me throughout my time. And as I take the, take a step back and think, I mean, I've, I've now been at five different schools, East Coast, West Coast, now in, in, in the middle states. And I've had, I've had folks who have joined me on that journey that, that have gone to different schools with me. And, and, and it, it kind of makes my heart full to think about that because it, no matter what we're talking about here, everything comes back to people and relationships and culture uh, and, and just uh, doing right by, by people every step of the way is so incredibly important to me. But like I said, I, I, was, I was there for about a year and I mean, I've worked kind of probably like 110, 115 hours a week and I had, I was just immersed in, in, in what I did and I loved it and, and an opportunity came up for a head position in sports information at St. Anselm College. Uh, another uh, Division II school in New Hampshire, uh, and Bruce, the AD of Franklin Pierce, basically pushed me out the door. And he uh, he he got me uh, the interview, told them they needed to hire me, and basically pushed me out. I didn't necessarily want to go, uh, but uh, you know, I was I was 22 years old, um, and I was the head you know head SID of a of a really good Division II school, and uh, I did that for five years and. What I, what I would tell young people now is, again, like any job that you do, you have to do it really well. You have to demonstrate that you care. You have to show that you're thinking at a higher level from your job. But also, if, if you're interested maybe in doing something else, you can't just do your job well. You have to really expand your network and your contacts. And so any free time I had during those five, six years, I was at other schools. I was, I was at other tournaments if need be, working regional events, uh, calling other schools and just asking, hey, do you have anything on a Friday night? I'm free. I'm happy to come down and work. And people thought I was crazy. And I, you know, I probably was, but, but I just loved it so much. And so that created an opportunity. And what I, I keep talking about network because network effect is kind of like a, an asterisk thing here. It's very important. I got an opportunity to go to Harvard, Boston, 
work there through the network, somebody who I was very close with and had, had developed a, a long relationship with. Uh, was the head uh, communications person at Harvard and called me and, and said they had a job and it was probably made for me. And uh, and I took that opportunity uh, and kind of ran with it. And within within a year and a half or so, I was the head person in that department um, and, and was able to parlay that. I, was, I spent eight years at Harvard and just had a wonderful time there. And then that, that kind of meshed into an opportunity to go to Stanford University and, and oversee their communications and external teams, which then led to Michigan. Um, and every I always tell people, like, I've loved everywhere that I've been, uh, any place that I've been, uh, any place that, that I have been or might choose to go in the future has to be a job that I, I would look at it and say, hey, I'd be happy to be here forever uh, and really immerse myself in the culture and the community and the people. Um, but, you know, you, you navigate through life and things change and family situations change. And so, um, you know, always reach out to people, expand your network. Uh, that's why I love doing stuff like this and, and appreciate you having me on. That, that, that was definitely great. And I'll ask one more question and we'll open it back up to the rest of the group. But so obviously you mentioned all the different places you worked and all the schools are a little different from each other, from the D2 school to like Harvard, which is much more academic focused today Stanford, which is kind of a mix of both, and then Michigan, which is obviously has the huge academics, but is very athletic school as well. Can you talk about like how you've brought stuff from each of your previous jobs to your new role? What what is like looking at those different schools and those that place different emphasis on sport? Yeah, I really appreciate that. And 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 it's an excellent point because yeah, I mean the, the schools are so different in their uh in their makeup. And again, I like I touch upon culture. I, I think Going into every job with an open mind and and kind of uh, a curious attitude is really important, and it's everything from, you know, the blocking and the tackling of what do we do, what's our process, where are our folders, where do we find information, all uh, to to much bigger questions in terms of you know what are you know kind of what are the accepted norms of this group and how do people communicate, what are the nonverbal cues that are going on around me. Uh, you know, how do, how do people feel about meetings? Right? Are people on time for meetings? Are they late? Do meetings always run over. How many meetings do we have? Or, you know, uh, things like that. When are, when are people in the office? And, and so I think, and in some ways, I lucked into this kind of situation being at very different schools and kind of having to navigate different waters. Um, but also, I think everything that we do is kind of interwoven with what's going on in the world, uh, you know, in sports in general. Um, one of the most painful uh, and beneficial things that I went through. Uh, I was in my first year at Harvard when, when the financial recession hit, uh, you know, and our, our budgets got absolutely uh, demolished and we had to have layoffs and uh, very challenging uh, personal relationships that I had with people. And, and, and we had to restructure quite a bit of what, of what we were doing. And at the same time, video was exploding, uh, streaming, uh, uh, going through the roof, really unique opportunities for some smaller schools to really market to their fans one-to-one and kind of get away from uh, traditional media. And it, it was that opportunity at Harvard that I just jumped on again, just kind of always thinking about possibilities and what's next. And uh, I always talk about the folks who who were with me at Harvard at the time, like we ended up having a meeting after some very difficult conversations were made. And I said, hey, we're all going through a very difficult time and we need to basically drop a bomb on everything that we think we, we do 
in communications and we need to rethink it and we need to very quickly pivot to media uh, and digital spaces in terms of telling our story. And that was kind of like a like a 30 second pause and people just kind of looking around, looking around, and then it was like, yeah, all right, Kurt, how do we do it? And right away it was like, you know, wow, I had such a special group uh, and such a special thing going on at the time. Uh, and we were able to really uh, pivot on, on a challenging situation. And so that was just another thing that it wasn't necessarily specific to Harvard, uh, but I think the success that we had there became visible at other schools across the country. And, and and when I left and when I had an opportunity to go to Stanford, I specifically brought my group together and told them what was happening. And I said, look, it's really nothing about what I've done. It's about the work that we have done uh, that's enabled me to have this opportunity. And so I was just incredibly grateful uh, to them for that. Um, and, and so Stanford was, you know, it, it's such a wonderful place with uh, amazing people. Uh, and I loved my time there. Uh, and one of the things that I've learned here at Michigan, which was incredibly beneficial, is this is my first like public institution that, that I've worked for, coming from a bunch of private schools. Um, and so I, I'm doing some different things here because of our standing as a public school. Like a, a large chunk of my day is Freedom of Information Act requests. And, and, and it's a healthy reminder to everybody that everything that we do, every conversation that we have, every communication we send, is a public record. And there's a lot of people who, who take an interest in uh, what's going on, you know, at the University of Michigan, at Michigan State, at other big public schools. Um, uh, and so that, that's a huge chunk of my day. And so uh, kind of a long answer again, Connor, but uh, the short takeaway is just every place is, is, is wonderfully unique and different. And, and people have to just be able to find what that is and latch on to it um, while keeping an open mind about other uh, other possibilities and, and other things that, that might change in, in the climate. A lot of great insights there. I appreciate it. One of the biggest evolutions within college athletics, especially recently, has been name, image, and likeness. Could you speak on how that's affected your role at Michigan and um, Michigan athletics as a whole? Yeah, I, I appreciate that. It certainly dominated the summer months and, and into the fall. Uh, and I chuckle kind of thinking about this because uh, you know, we we saw the writing on the wall with this, you know, over the past couple of years and, and slowly edging in. And then it was almost like we took a giant leap forward uh, in the summer and, and, and some of folks in the industry were kind of freaking out. And I just kind of chuckled because it's like, well, this is just kind of a, like the natural order of things and, and change and change is challenging for, for folks. And I love change. So it's my brain starts immediately going with like, oh, what are possibilities? And what's version 2.0 of NIL going to look like at 2.5? And how quickly are we going to get there? And when you think about that at a place like Michigan, that, that frankly is, is kind of beholden to a lot of our tradition and history. Uh, uh, and, and we were kind of a big ship uh, going, going, going down a river, and, and it, it's hard to turn it very quickly. So we have taken a very measured approach to NIL, uh, very educational with staff uh, and with our student athletes. Uh, and at the end of the day, this really does boil down to education with our student athletes. And then the number one thing that I would say is, is, is we're already in version 2.5, I think of this, a, a few months into it. Very quickly, we went towards what I saw was co-branding opportunities uh, for student athletes and uh, athletic departments alike. Uh, and so just in the past couple of days, we've seen we've seen a lot with, with group licensing deals. We've seen uh, some MMR 
organizations come forward and, and start to put some programming together that, that might allow student athletes to, to leverage the marks uh, and the IP of their individual campuses in ways that had not been possible before. Now, how quickly certain schools are able to navigate those waters will be really interesting to me, but I think that's really the, 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 the next chunk of the conversation going forward on NIL. Thank you for that little snippet. Yeah, sure. Awesome question. Um, Kurt, you and I have talked uh, in the past kind of about this, but I, uh, I just recently moved a thousand miles away from home. It's the first time I've ever done anything like that before. And as you've gone, you know, whether you go to Harvard, Palo Alto at Stanford, or now you're in Ann Arbor, three really gorgeous places, but I, I'm here in, in Norman, Oklahoma, where I had never been. Can you talk, you had talked about culture and the we versus the I, can you talk a little bit more about how to build that in your first, let's say 60 to 90 days in a new role and any kind of tips of the trade on, on moving one far away from home into a new role and then two into a new culture that you have no experience in before. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, great questions in there. And in some ways I might have been wired for something like that. I mean, you know, I grew up in a, in a broken household, frankly, and divorce was in my family and I had to move around a little bit. You know, I, I, I maybe didn't have a, a traditional uh, great upbringing in that way. Um, so moving locations wasn't necessarily new to me and thinking about the possibility of something better or just different somewhere else always appealed to me. And so maybe a hard stop on that. What I would also tell, you know, young people is, you know, no better time than the present to take risks and to try and to do other things. And, uh, you know, so, so I'm married now with, uh, uh, with a 10-year-old boy, Jackson, who, who's the light of my life. And so a lot of my decisions now are really how do they impact Joanna and Jackson, as opposed to even when he was younger, when the Stanford opportunity came, I was like, geez, you know, I don't, I don't know uh, if this is going to be great for our family. And Joanna said, hey, we're still really young. Let's give this a shot and let's, let's take a risk. And so that'd be the number one thing. I mean, I, I almost went to school in Hawaii. You know, it's like I, I almost went to a place sight unseen. And so I uh, and I recognize that there are some folks who, who don't have that level of, uh, of risk. I don't view it one way or the other. I've got folks on my staff here at Michigan who've been here for 20, 25 years, you know, and, and this is where they want to be and this is the job they want to do. And so I say, that's great. Uh, and I, re I really appreciate that as long as you're all always willing to grow in the job that you have, even if you don't want a different job or an elevated job. Because everything that we do, right, it changes in terms of how, how people engage with the world around them and technology. So as long as you're willing to grow in what you do, really good. But culturally, again, I've learned a lot because, yeah, going from smaller schools to, uh, to a Division One, but, but really in a kind of a different facet. You know, the Ivy League is, is kind of on its own island in Division One, uh, And then like jumping right into to a Power Five and a national, you know, a school that, that recruits globally. And then, and then such a large uh, uh, state institution as, as the University of Michigan, you know, Adam, you to like culture is a really important thing. Uh, and so in terms of uh, when I've been uh, in assistant roles in my younger years, in terms of starting a new job, when I, when I started at Harvard, I'd gone from being the head of a department at a, at a division two school to being an assistant at, at, at the division one. And I was, I, I took a very respectful um, uh, open, open eye approach when I was at Harvard in my first 90, 100 days and asking a ton of questions and then transitioning to asking questions with, 
kind of respectful suggestions, you know, like, Adam, how, how would you approach this or that? Uh, from my previous experience, here's what I might say. And is that how you view things here at Harvard or in this situation? And so, so just kind of try, what I tried to do was demonstrate that I was not just asking questions, but also trying to, to demonstrate some independent thought uh, on things and not just asking somebody to think for me. Um, and then when I was in, you know, more, because it truly is like lead from any chair. Again, anything that you do, you have to do really well and show that you're thinking at a higher level uh, and if, from a leadership perspective. Then when I really was in charge of, you know, had folks reporting to me and in charge of budgets and things like that, uh, new positions at Harvard, at Stanford, at Michigan, it really is you have to put together um, a 100, a 100 day kind of approach. And I, I would probably, Adam, I'd probably get off the 90 day approach because things always take longer than you want. Maybe, maybe put it in in 90 days, but it's probably going to take you a, a long time. And, you know, I probably have, have never been more caffeinated than in my first, you know, three, four months at a job because you have so many coffee meetings with folks and, and huddles, but it's, it's really, it's starting to, to build that network as best as we can uh, in what we do. And, and again, it's not just with your team, but it's with other groups. And I would ask a lot of questions around, you know, how, how my team has operated previously and what do people see and observe and what are the good things, the bad things, and, and then where do, they, where do they see things going? But I will also say is, you know, for folks who are thinking about jobs, you can glean so much about the culture, about the job, about what's needed going forward from the job descriptions and postings on job boards. And I, I tell people, like, I think people don't spend enough time on those. They see a job, they see a school's board sign. Okay, that's cool, 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 good. But like, study that thing because they'll basically tell you the profile of what they want. And if you don't have something on the profile, you better be able to speak to it or how you're going to get uh, to that level uh, of understanding and performance for, for a school. Uh, you know, again, back to me, it's uh, there have been jobs that I've taken that have really been jobs where I've been asked to be a change agent at various levels uh, of a department, which can be very hard on the people who have been there. Uh, to have somebody new coming in and the uncertainty. And I always, you know, say, you know, you got to show that that level of respect to the people who have been there, who have specific knowledge that I don't have. And, and I've used the terminology at a couple of the stops before is like, anytime you have a new leader come in, it's like an organ transplant. And that new leader is the new organ and the body can, can reject that person. And that cuts both ways, however, because sometimes that person is being brought in to, to really change something. Um, so again, geez, another really long answer, but like spending so much time with anybody who might have any kind of insight uh, to, to, to a group that, that you're either operating for or going to be operating with is so incredibly, incredibly important. And in my job, that also expands out to the campus and the academic community. You know, am I at a place that has a kinesiology major or sport marketing, management, communication, journalism, you know, everything in, in, in between? Uh, what are the public affairs office and the community relations offices at the university? Uh, what's their experience and interaction with athletics? Uh, because at, at, at the University of Michigan, you know, everything that we do, you know, is the block M. It's not just the athletic department uh, is so incredibly important uh, for people. So uh, it's not just within the athletic department, the time that, that, that I spend. It's really across, uh, across campus. Thank you. That was a great answer. Thank you. 
So it actually turns out that Erin's mic is not working, but she does have a question for you. So in college athletics, especially, you work countless hours throughout the weeks, especially in your role. A lot of hard work and a lot of uh, time and effort goes into it. So her question is, how do you prevent burnout through throughout the week? Yeah, that's a great question, burnout. Uh, and I'm not sure that there's a magic answer there. Uh, I do chuckle about this kind of stuff, Erin, uh, and enjoy like a term that I hear all the time that I really don't like with college athletics is work-life balance. And I think we all kind of hear that and see it. And I don't think that's a real thing if you're working in something that you're passionate about. You know, it's work-life integration is what it is. You have to find a way to make it work in your life. And back to like the trust word that I used earlier, like I, I have, I have, I try to have very deep conversations with everybody who works with me. And I, I try to meet them at a place where they know that I care about like the whole person and not just the person who's at work, uh, however long they're, they're at work. And I, I'll have conversations with people and I'll say, how does this fit with your life? How does this board assignment work? Or folks who, who become new parents or who have entered different stages um, of, of their life's journey, they might be doing great. And then all of a sudden something changes. I always want them to know that this is only one aspect of what they do. And so there might be things that we're able to do for folks that ebb and flow with their lives. And there are times when uh, it's better for people to move on, either for, for career growth, for getting a different perspective somewhere else, or you know, they're, they're a family member got a great opportunity and now they need to transition out. And so again, it's, it's back to relationships and people and uh, just always making sure that that you're available, that your door is open and you're able to have conversations. Because again, you know, I've had people who have kind of picked up and moved with me to various jobs and that's wonderful. And I've had, I've had phenomenal folks who have grown into other jobs at other schools and for, for people to feel comfortable having very frank conversations is so important to me. And with me, it's always, you know, if, if somebody's thinking about a job at another school or another industry, that doesn't mean that they don't want to do a great you know, great work for me here today and now, and and having the trust that it's okay to have those conversations is, is so super important. For me on the burnout topic, you know, I've been doing this for over 20 years. It's hard to believe I'm, you know, I'm like one of the older people in the room, you know, now I still feel very young, but like burnout has really never applied to me because I just love what I do. And, and, and I'm fortunate that it has continued to work in my life. Uh, but again, you know, who, who, who knows where things go? Uh, my, my wife is a, is a classical, uh, classic flutist. Uh, so she's uh, nights, weekends, holidays, same thing as I am. She brings a lot of culture to my world, I tell folks, which, which is really nice. But we're like ships passing in the night. If, if I have a night off from work, I could almost guarantee that she's got a concert somewhere or she's doing something somewhere. And so in terms of like child care and all that, like that can be super stressful. And back to culture becomes incredibly important that you're at a place where it's embraced and people understand. So, you know, Connor and folks who, who have been here, maybe more so during pre-COVID times, but, you know, my, my son's with me all, all the time, all the place. And, you know, I make the rounds. I, I go to so many events and I, and I want my staff to know that I'm visible and that I care and that I'm knowledgeable. And a big chunk of that might mean that, that Jackson's coming with me uh, to hang out at games and, there's other benefits to that, but, you know, ultimately, you know, with people, it's like, you just, you just have to find a way to make it work if this is what you're passionate about. And if you do it for a little bit and you decide that, that it doesn't work, Hey, that's okay too. Let's have a conversation about what that is. 
Um, but I, th- I think the individual stress management burnout thing, that's a tricky one because it is just so individualized. And, and so, you know, I've, I've had, you know, Connor, would you say, I mean, upwards of 20, 22 people on my team were, were a little bit lighter now. Like those are 20 different human beings and, and family situation and, and, and life. So, you know, I want to meet everybody where they are in the world and, and kind of have like individual conversations on that front. Thank you. <laughs> so I guess I'll jump in. Uh, I have a question kind of also about culture. So in my role now, I'm a GA SID for a revenue sport. So a lot of my job is dealing with other schools and other people. How do you kind of work through working with people who you can tell their culture is very different than the culture you're working with at your own institution? I love that. That's a great question. I do think like maybe comes back to curiosity a little bit and, and questions, you know, hey, help me understand how this how this is viewed at your place. And what's the background on that? And here's my experience here, especially as a young person who's, you know, just just trying to operate at a higher level and think about things differently. And this has become a tri- tricky topic, I think, today's day and age. And I, I think, you know, I've been I've been part of smaller schools and, and just really phenomenal uh, Division II conference, the Northeast 10 conference uh, with just wonderful schools. Uh, and it was at a time maybe where technology was in a different place and you'd actually pick up the phone and have conversations with people and you'd, you'd see people at events um, you know, and then, and then I go to Harvard, which, you know, bigger departments and, uh, but there's only eight schools in, in the Ivy league, but I was in Boston with a lot of other colleges and we would try to have, have gatherings with, with, with folks from other schools in the area whenever we could, um, and just trying to get to know other people. And then, you know, the, 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 the FBS level and big schools and big conferences and travel's a problem. And, uh, you know, you might not know folks who aren't covering the sports that you're covering. And in a world, like as you get bigger, your world gets much smaller. Uh, and that's like, I think that's incredibly unhealthy and sad in many respects, but it becomes hard as you become more specialized, become a little bit like more desensitized to things going on at other schools. And again, if, if you've got schools in the same conference with just very different profiles, you know, whether it be different size staffs or maybe some schools have different, you know, public, public, private schools within the same conference or different religious type of schools or governance structures, academic calendars. And that's why I say like every school is truly amazing and you just got to find what it is. Uh, but I really like the question and uh, I probably don't do enough of it right now. But it is, it's, it's pick up the phone and talk to people and go to events and uh, talk, you know, if I, if I go to, I don't know, just pick a sport here in Michigan and, and I want to go and just say hello uh, to wh- whoever might be traveling from that other school uh, because of the Big Ten, there's, there's chances are that I have not met that person because jobs tend to turn over, there are large staffs. Uh, and so I always want to keep networking for myself as well and just get to know uh, the differences and, and perspectives and how things are viewed, especially now as you know, people read the, the D1, D2, D3 tickers uh, every day and the things that are going on in this world. Um, I read all of them. I, I, I read the D2, the D3 one with as much interest as I read the D1 ticker. Uh, and and there, there'll be times when I'll read that and say, oh, I really wonder what uh, how this school views that or that or, or whatever's happening in the news. And, oh, actually, I know somebody there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just drop them a note and see how they're doing. That all gets backed up against like uh, the work that I have to do today. 
uh, sometimes we, you know, we lose the, uh, the trees through the forest, so to speak. Uh, anyway, another super long answer, but like ask questions uh, and, and, and do it with authenticity and interest. So like, geez, Liz, like, how do they view that there as a, you know, intonation and delivery maybe is very important as opposed to maybe not coming off judgy, like, oh, you guys really screwed that up to talk to me about it. Uh, well, how do you, know, what, why did Michigan, so here's a good one, you know, we just, uh, we just extended uh, our men's basketball coach, Juwan Howard, got a contract extension. Uh, we put that out on Tuesday night, November 16th at seven o'clock. It was on a day where we had a rare uh, women's and men's basketball doubleheader with the women playing at six and the men tipping off at 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, which is another topic. And so we, at the end of the day, we, we were told that, that we had to get that release out as soon as possible, get it out, get it out today, yesterday. And so we tried to thread the needle around, uh, let's put that, let's put that release out in the second half of a women's basketball game that we feel pretty confident we're going to win. Putting it out at that time allows the, uh, the broadcast team to talk about it. it gives the ESPN crew some time to put together some footage and clips and give FS1, We were our, our men's game was on FS1 that night, give their crew time to do the same thing ahead of our nine o'clock game. But then we also had at the same time, the CFP rankings were coming out. And so we, you know, at the end of the day, like we had like a 25 minute window to put that out. So long story short is like, well, why did Michigan do that? Well, here's the reason that we did it, right? And so it's just as you see things and you see the timing and the uh, uh, and the coordination on things. Like I think it's an awesome thing uh, to just pick up the phone. Hey, what what were you guys thinking about there? Uh, and why you know, why did you do what what you did? Because we even had people on campus asking about that. And back to like FOIA requests, we know we're going to put that out, and we're immediately going to get a dozen, two dozen requests uh, to to get Juwan's full contract. That, that that's public domain. Uh, and so uh, before doing that, I had to reach out to our Freedom of Information Act office uh, and let them know what was going on and then make sure that they had the contract and that they were going to be staffed to field those requests. And, you know, and then you, you, you start kind of beg, begging for favors. And uh, most of our FOIA requests, we get so many that, that you're kind of like in a 10 to 14 day window at best. Uh, and here I am, I'm saying, hey, this is going to happen. We're going to get a bunch of requests. Can you turn those around the same day for me? You know, when, when you get them, you, you try to lean on your relationships going forward. Anyway, another super long answer, but like to just try to give you an example in there of like, why did Michigan put this out at seven o'clock on a Tuesday night with all this other stuff going on? That was kind of weird. Well, there's a reason for it. Awesome. Thank you. I'll try to get my anxious self to talk to people more. <laughs> I'll wrap us up with one more question. Um, so many of the people here in FBCA and listening to the podcast are just starting off their career in college athletics. Um, what would be your best piece of advice for someone um, just getting their foot in the door and also how to rise the ranks just as you did? Yeah, in terms of like uh, getting your foot in the door uh, and getting that first opportunity is, is basically take any opportunity that's in your area. Um, there were, there were a lot of folks who uh, might have been full-time professionals, uh, especially in Boston, but who wanted to get into college athletics. And I'd have conversations with them, and I'd, I'd kind of tell them the same thing as, hey, volunteer during your free time uh, if you have to, when you can. And, you know, the folks who did, you know, they'd work a full nine to five or whatever, but then work events. Uh, and there were some folks who got so good doing it that when we had jobs, I'd call them up and I'd say, hey would you want to do this full time? And like, you know, when you're, when you're visible, you become top of mind. 
really is, is what it boils down to. Uh, and I attribute a lot of, of where I've gone in life with hard work, you know, hard work beats strategy, you know, any single day uh, in my take. And, you know, I think if we're all being honest for anybody who's in that position that I am is, is we have to be honest around uh, the reality of the intersection of timing, luck, circumstance with preparation, you know, and, and interest and talent. Uh, there are a lot of folks who don't who don't mention that. Which bothers me, um, you know. What what if somebody who I'd you know kind of built a built a five six year relationship with hadn't gotten a job at Harvard and called to hire me? Like who knows where I'd be today, right? Like everything becomes totally different. So that's timing, luck, circumstance. Um, so, the, but the other part of that, you know, the outside of of volunteering and uh, kind of thinking uh, beyond the space that you're currently in is back to the networking word that I use quite a bit. And I tell young people this all the time. Um, once you're in and you're working, and whether you're an intern or game day staffer or um, you have some, some kind of in, like the people who are your age, that's your network. And whether they're in your specific part of the department or in their, uh, another department, this is your network. This is going to be your family going on. And eventually, somebody's going to branch off from your school or your organization somewhere else. And if you have a strong relationship with that person, um, you might benefit from another network that they're going to be associated with. Um, remain in contact with people, check in with people, see how they're doing, spend any time, you know, oh, a, a colleague from, from, from a, a school is coming to campus to visit. I just had one yesterday. Um, a colleague from from a school who was on campus and they just wanted to check in and spend uh, five minutes. We spent an hour with each other, uh, you know, and I, you got to figure out time in your day to, to spend on people. And as people grow in their career, some people are going to get opportunities at different times than others. And somebody eventually is going to be put into a position where they're going to now be in a leadership position and have hiring authority and opportunity. And so cheer for everybody who you grow up around. You know, individually, I think people, um, you know, can be, well, you know, hey, this person got promoted and I'm still here and I'm still doing that. You, know, you got to get away from that. I mean, you know, again, the timing, the luck, the circumstance of life is what it is. But the people who are in your network now, if you do it right, it's only going to continue to grow uh, and grow across the, uh, the organization, the university, the community, and certainly the country. So really just spend as much time as you can on people. Uh, and not just like the day-to-day of here's the job that I have to do. Thank you for that. Well, that'll wrap up the sixth episode of the FCA podcast. I want to thank everyone uh, for listening today, and especially thank you, uh, Mr. Kurtz Fulbada. Hopefully I'll get that right one day. Thank you for joining us today um, and taking the time to give us a little insight. All right. I appreciate it.